Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat between now and half past three, including Barry Fitzgerald. He's talking to us about superhero powers. You know the way you read about them years ago in magazines and you thought, well... They're flightful fancy. Well, they're not actually. You can have superhero powers today. And Barry's a scientist. He's going to be telling us more later on. We'll be catching up with June Rogers on the show. And Catherine Byrne is here. She's the RD girl with over 20,000 followers on Instagram. But my first guest today has had her memoir called Barefoot Pilgrimage published recently. As memoirs go, it's different in many ways, swinging from prose to poetry and back, so honest, revealing, uncensored and reflecting on life growing up in Dundalk to international music stardom. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Andrea Corr. Andrea, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi. Th- thanks for taking my call today. Um, let me say this to start. It is different, as I said, as, as a memoir. Were you prepared mm. for all the scrutiny that's gone on since you started talking about it and it's been published? Oh, that's an interesting question. I um, Let me see, prepared. Well, I was prepared for people to read it, ultimately. And I suppose then they would, you know, I suppose that it's it's provocative in ways. But at the same time... I I stand I, I stand by you know the perspective that I've had you know what I mean because that's the only story I'm writing is through my own eyes mm. um, so you know I'm and really I suppose the thing is I didn't intend to write a book it 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 came following you know the grief of losing daddy and then which brought me back to mom and. And basically, I just really wanted to record uh, the house uh, we lived in and how it felt growing up there before, in case I died and, 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 <laughs> and it was gone. So it wasn't intended. So in that way, there was no need to prepare for scrutiny because I wasn't writing a book for other people to read. Yeah, but, you know, uh, but it, it has become so. Yeah, it has. You know that yourself, for sure. You, you must be flogged out at this stage with all the chatting about the book. I'm just thinking to myself here. Yeah, but look, I know what you're saying, but it has evoked much, much interest. And, and part of it, of course, because you go back to your roots and Dundalk and growing up there. You said you never said out to write it, but thankfully you did. There was one stage I was just reading that you actually were thinking of ditching the whole thing. Is that true? 
Oh, oh, the, oh the book, writing yeah, it? Yes. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, at least you're not going. You should have. <laughs> no, no, no. You should have put the pen down. No, you know what? I did. Well, obviously, I think that. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. I did obviously have a day like most people do, and I've had it in music too. I've had it in everything, and I'm sure you have it where you go, God, what am I doing? And this is crap. Um, but then, but then I, uh, you know, I had a moment where then I picked up what was. Uh, to me, the real book that I was reading, which was a Paul Auster book, and it happened to go into this this excerpt that was about why the the character in the book needed to be a writer, and it, that felt like a prompt to me that that sent me back to what I was doing. Um, yeah, obviously, everybody has doubts. I think in in what they do. Well, if they don't, they should. (laughs) Listen, Andrea, we all do. That is part and parcel, of course, of life for most people. Now, I want to quote you again. You said that you have a debilitating desire to be liked. Don't we all have? Well, no, definitely not. Think about some people out there going, I don't (laughs) I don't care what you think. This is who I am. I, I, I definitely have it anyway. I can't say that we all have it. Um, I, I, I call it debilitating because, you know, if you are thinking about how people are going to consider you or, or decide whether you're good or bad or nice or not, then that, that, is, that is debilitating. That mm. will stop you expressing anything. So, so I, had to, I had to let go of that. And I think it definitely, I, I do know many singers that have this, the same desire, maybe not to the extent that I have it. Um, but it, it is part of the thing that you kind of go like, you do want people to like you, you know, but that is not, that is not obviously conducive to, to writing the truth sometimes because we're not always likeable. <laughs> so it goes with the territory, you say, with the yeah. people in the entertainment industry. But you know what, Andrea? I don't believe those people who say it doesn't bother them. I think as human beings, it probably is a thing that we do like to be liked. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Now, yeah. go back. let's go back to Dundalk and growing up there in that lovely home with Jean and Jerry and your family. I, I get from the book that something I, I, people might not have understood before. Were they people of really deep faith, belief? Oh, well, well, Daddy was. Um, Mammy, Mammy wasn't. I mean, and, and, you know, I suppose women, uh, it's probably a bit more taxing for women to keep their faith in the way women were treated in the church at that time. I mean, obviously, there's still issues. But, you know, I, you know, obviously, there was always mixed messages. There was the message of have a million babies, have more Catholic babies, and then be cleansed having done so with that, you know, the churching that went on. You know, I mean, they're just, that's just a small part, and I'm not here to give out because I have faith and, and I'm Catholic. But I, yeah, but I, I think it was, it was obviously harder for Mammy. But I think she did. She lived a life of love. She was a very loving person. So in that way, she was absolutely Christian anyway. Um, but Daddy was very religious, yeah. And he played, of course, the organ in the Redeemer Church. I'm sure there are many people will remember those times. You were to sing yeah. with him one Christmas and, and yeah. you opted out, did you? Yeah, I just, I mean, what, what had happened, we used to sing on Christmas Day every year. We used to sing uh, for our parents, I suppose, for, our, for Dad's family, really, like Grandad and, and, the other, and other relations. And, and then, and I would always sing Oh Holy Night and... So when when playing it one year, like before Christmas, and I was singing it with Daddy, Daddy, Daddy suggested that I, 
I sing it on Christmas Day. And the idea of it at that point seemed okay and quite exciting and I could do it. And so we practiced. But when it got to Christmas Day, I just, I, I really wasn't bits. I, I, I was crying scared and couldn't do it. And, and I do think what's beautiful and remarkable looking back is that they did, there was no, there was no real persuasion. They did know I, I, I felt it was, it was overwhelming me at the time, the thought of being so exposed up there um, and um, so so I was I was gently let off the hook as I call it mm, and um, It's a nice story, it, it really is and there was no pressure or no follow up around it for yeah. sure. You, you mentioned that coming on the generations and you have your own lovely children now that you are a, a woman of faith but that faith has really been tested over the years in the loss and sadness and grief you've experienced in your life. Has it in, in a way as well been a bedrock or a cornerstone to getting through all that? Yes, well, uh, yes, I, it, it, it really has. And I think throughout the book, you can almost, well, I can almost now, when I look at it from a bit of a distance, I can see the kind of evolution of that thought. Where first of all, I go, when I think about my grandmother and think, Think about her. Even her last year, she she did the pilgrimage to Loch Derg, and yet she had a terrible, she had a tough life. Um, and 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 then I come come to thinking that, but sure, no wonder she had her faith. She needed it more than I do, and I have it. Um, so so I, I I absolutely do think that really, I think it's it's the grief and loss that uh, you know for comfort that I have I have wanted to to believe in an almighty and that we're we are that we are looked after and that I will in some way meet meet those I've lost again um so it, it definitely I do think it has contrary to it shaking my faith ultimately it it strengthens my faith the grief yeah and, you know, we, you remember in the book, your little brother, Jared, your mum passed at a young age, uh, your dad then going, the miscarriages you had. But I want to say to people that there are lots of, uh, there's lots of joy and there's lots of fun and happiness in this book as well. It's not just uh, on the side of sadness or sorrow. When you, go, when you think back, Andrea, to Dundalk, as it was, and you growing up a young woman, a teenager, emerging with the music... What are the strongest memories you have of the town and the place? Oh, it's it's like I mean to to me it was a really lovely world to to be in as a as a child, you know. And I and I do put that in there. I mean the the you know in writing this, I laughed an awful lot. I laughed more than I cried actually in writing this. Even though obviously there are there are there are rooms I wanted to get out of as I as I'd call it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, and that is reflective of of the happy childhood I had in Dundalk, and and you know the the, the love and support that never mind that we, what we got from people and and neighbours and 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 all all people of Dundalk, more so what mum and dad got while we were away, is just something that I'm really grateful for now. Because, you know, how nice for them, you know, Daddy, to walk, walk up the town, as you say. And, well, Jerry, how are, the, how are the children? Where are they off to at the moment? They're doing great. You know, I mean, I just think now when I look back, I'm really grateful uh, for that. What about you know? the fortnight in Scaries every year? Do you still remember <laughs> it? 
I remember it so well. It was an early, it was a month, it was the month of July. Um, but I, I did, I, I loved that too. But it, it, it just is funny when I look back on, and realise that there was definitely uh, a perspe- percep- perception, like, a, like we, uh, I think definitely we were viewed as, because we were, it's just funny how I think a musician parented family was viewed back then. I think the I don't I think the girl when she came to visit thought she was should be going she didn't expect to be going to a you know a two story regular family home I think she did think we might have lived in the van we <laughs> <laughs> drove around in I love it I love so that, it that 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 actually makes me laugh you know and I think it's I think it's you know it's just funny because again as a child you don't, you're not aware of, of how you're seen. You just are as you are. You are, you know. Mm. So anyway, it's funny. I love the story of your dad going up the town and when you're hitting the big time and you become huge internationally in terms of sales of albums, of massive appearances at the greatest venues in the world. Did you ever have to sit back at times when you're sitting there and think, is this us really? Yeah, and, and you know what? I think that's probably, again, another thing that, that compelled me to write it because at the time, I couldn't... We didn't have time to sit back. There was no, there was no one place that we really got to wallow in it. Now, Mum and Dad did. They, they drank champagne in the house and danced around it when we were number one in the charts. And, you know, but we, in the meantime, uh, were, were uh, you know, likely doing an in-store record signing in Detroit to two people um so so we never got to wallow in the success but they did and um but uh now i i do obviously find it remarkable i find it remarkable now that i'm at a distance from it the the book has been really well received let me say and it's regarded as a wart and all that you have not in any way held back and you, you you've bared your soul um Going from here, you know, the book is there now and that's done. Where to for Andrea Corr? Are you going to get back into the music? Oh, luckily, you know what I'm getting at here. He is going to get together again. He is going to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I would love, and I think, we, I, think I, can, I can pretty much speak for all of us. We would, we would love to uh, play again. It's about uh, together. It's about... Um, uh, it's, it really is about if it can be if it can be managed. We have so you know we've got our families and mm. our lives and everything. But I definitely would love to. But you know, and we are we are at the, we are discussing that at the moment. But I, I I believe we will play again together. Yeah. Do you know I want to tell you a little story while I have you with me, and I've always been dying to do this. Do you remember you supported Celine Dion? Very well. In yeah. the point in Dublin. Now, she's coming back to Ireland herself, actually, next year. I was yeah. there that night, right? And I, rem- yeah. I remember this distinctly. You came on, and sure, I knew the word of every song, Andrea, to be honest with you. And I sure was singing along with you. And there were all these people I only realised after a while were looking at me funny, thinking, how does that <laughs> fella know them and know these, <laughs> these songs? And did you just turn around to them and say, up the town? I just said, yeah. I said, they're, one, they're ours. They're one of us. And I love yeah. them to bits. And, you know, they all did love you at that stage. And that's when you were really starting to motor towards the big breakthrough, as you know, in your own right at that stage. Yeah. 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 No, that was a very special time. I mean, and they were really supportive of us. You know, they were mm. they were they were a great help, you know. 
So, um, yeah, I, I remember it well. And thank you for singing along. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I, I wouldn't like you to, to, to assess it. But, you know, I did my best. You know the story anyway. Um, tell us this. Why did your daddy call you Pandy? Pandy, Pandy. After, as simple as that. The, the cartoon character. Maybe it's a cartoon character, is it? I uh, just know the Andy Pandy putting them by. From Rumper Room. Girls and made them cry. I don't know what happened then. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> made them cry. No, it wasn't. I don't think he actually thought about it, that it worked for the whole tune. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we remember Andy Paddy coming to play. I remember as a little child myself, to be honest with you. And yeah, so well, I think it could be that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely um, name. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting messages in here. When I say, can I stick the old glasses on? You know when the years go by, Andrea. We're here. I'm looking over at my screen here. Hold on there now. My memories of Andrea's mum and dad. Jerry, he played weddings round the town in lounges, but he had this um, immaculate, uh, what does it say? Um, immaculate wind Avenger car and trailer and the band gear. Do you remember that? An Avenger car. Somebody remembers. Yeah. Well, to, it was a Citroen. Was it? It was a red Citroen. Yeah. So I don't know what an Avenger car is, but it was a red Citroen and they had a brown trailer at the back. That's before we upgraded to the, to the uh, Toyota Lighthouse. <laughs> that, that, that could do it all. <laughs> you became really sophisticated in the core household with that. And you know what I heard? First of all, they got a Daihatsu. Do you remember the little cute ones? Yes. Bubbles driving down the road. And it was very cute going out in them because other Daihatsus would beep at <laughs> <laughs> The Daihatsu charade, I think it was. A lovely little thing, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's right. Yeah. More memories. There's, and that comes from Vera remembering your dad playing around with the car and the, and the, the trailer on there, yeah. there as well. Um, so look at the, the 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 time of year is coming. Christmas. You have two lovely children now. I'm sure you're looking forward, and they are as well, to the celebrations. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited because we've moved back to Ireland. I was living in London for a few years, and then and Washington before that. Um, but now we've moved back to Ireland, so I, I'm actually. Ah, I'm actually really getting nervous. I'm cooking dinner for the whole family and cousins and the whole lot. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and have you done this before? Is this your first stab at the big Christmas dinner for everybody? Well, this amount, yeah, right. I did. I did in Washington. One, I did it one year, but it was only for four of us. And yeah, my mother-in-law was saying at the time, Andrew, should you not be putting the turkey on? I was like, no, it's loads of time. So we ate, we ate about 10 that night, I think. <laughs> anyway. Well, listen, if you can't pull the rabbit from the hat with all your friends in, in uh, the business and all the celebrities, I'm sure you know, as chefs and restaurant owners, I don't know who can to give you a few tips for the day. Well, thank you very much. Now you've given me, you've given me an yeah, idea. Yeah, No, no, yeah. Pulling them now. Get those favours back that you've done for so many people over the years. <laughs> this is your opportunity. Anyway, listen, okay. I just want to remind listeners before we finish up, and we're going to play out, if you don't mind, with a lovely chorus song. You are signing the book Barefoot Pilgrimage in Eason's in Dundalk this Saturday, the 16th at 2 o'clock. So Andrea yeah. will be there in Eason's this Saturday from 2. Pop in, say hello to her, get the book. You'll enjoy it thoroughly because it is a no-holds-barred memoir. I loved it, Andrea. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you for that. Thank you for taking time to join us on the show today. We do appreciate it on your home station. And we'll, oh, I'm, I'm glad to. We'll indulge ourselves. Can we run away now with ourselves? 
You can go run away with yourself there now. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. God bless you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Say it's true. There's nothing like me and you. I'm not alone. Tell me you feel it too. And I would run away. a copy of Andrea Kaur's uh, memoir to give away Barefoot Pilgrimage would you like a copy 
Here's the question today on Late Lunch. In the course, there were three girls. Uh, Andrea was one of them, Sharon and Caroline. And there was one boy in the course. Yes, one fellow. What's his name? Do you want a book? Tell us his name. That's the uh, simple question today. The name of the gentleman in the course, please, 2086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text your answer now and we'll get a copy of this uh, lovely memoir to you. Wasn't she great? We had a great bit of crack, the pair of us. I really enjoyed uh, chatting to Andrea on late lunch this afternoon. Do you know what I spotted today? You're not going to believe this, folks. Well, I, I find it hard to believe. Nappies. Don't most people just have disposable nappies today? Yeah, you buy them, you use them, you chuck them in the bin. They block up pipes everywhere and cause massive fatbergs. You've heard about those as well. Well, listen to this. There's a woman in the UK and she's never used a disposable nappy. She's still using the cloth nappies. She's had nine children, nine children and uh, two of them are actually doing their A-levels now but they're down to five years of age and she's just finished out and she said she saved a fortune over the lifetime hasn't she? Nine of them she has to have is there anybody out there today using a cloth nappy or has used a cloth nappy I doubt if there is I'd say to me there's nobody there'll be nobody we're a throwaway society and you remember the big pins that used to go into them I can still see them the big pins with the blue and pink tops on them you know blue for the boys pink for the girls the nappies you'd see the lines and the lines them out being washed you know what I mean every night because most families there was a big lot of children in many families going back years gone by but I, when I saw that, I just thought, well, good on you, woman. You're still using them. Katie Holden is her name. She's from Bradford in England, and she reckons she's saved a small fortune. Well, with nine children, and she's homeschooling them as well. What a woman. But she's used nothing but the cloth nappy all her life, right up to the present day. Anybody out there using a cloth nappy? Or is it ancient history in good old Ireland? If you are, if you know anyone is, let us know. Always love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. After news and weather at two, I'm joined by a young lady from RD. Listen to this. She has over 20,000 Instagram followers. 18 months is a long time in the world of social media, far too long. But you see, my next guest, it's that length of time since she's been here and time does not stand still. I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch. She's from RD in County Louth. She is a social media influencer and she's only in her early 20s. Catherine Byrne, a.k.a. Petrol Rose, good to see you again. It's really good to see you too. <laughs> Thanks it's for been a long time. It has. I'm just thinking, you know, in social media, we were talking there, sure things change by the minute, never they mind do. the hour or day. I haven't changed much though, I'm still very sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still channeling leprechaun vibes. No, don't say that at all. You're perfect. You are as you are. Well, look at since we met last, these followers just keep growing for you. What are you on? Almost 21,000 now. Yeah, it's kind of getting... I think it's gotten a lot bigger than I ever thought it was going to get. I'm quite surprised by it. I Again, like no more than I was saying the last time I was on to, it was just supposed to be a bit of crack, you know, sharing... You know, at the time it was sort of about student life and what I was up to there. And I think it's progressed since then to adulting and, you know, all of my successes and failures and going along with that. And it has just 
blown up in a way that I never thought it would. <laughs> now, I say you're a social media influencer and people can check you out on petrolrose.net if you want to check out all the blogging and that yeah, that's going so on there. I'm so on that's your platform, yeah. right? That's that's Is that your main platform where everything sits? Um, most of my stuff sits on Instagram. And right. That's where the blog originally started. And since I was on last time, I now have a website. I... I um I didn't go very far to source that one. My brother's studying computer science, so I told him I had a summer project for him. So I got him to build my website. You're cute. I told him I'd pay him in sweets. <laughs> um, so so keep it in the born. family. And exactly. he's done a great job for you. So so you have that now, but Instagram is where you operate primarily. That's primarily, your... yeah. In terms of um I, I like to engage with, with my mm. followers and stuff like that. And I think people always surprise me um in, in wonderful ways. So it's great to get the engagement there and um, it's it's nice to kind of be able to shoot off a message very quickly whereas if somebody sends me a message on the blog it's generally coming through my email and I'm a bit slower to okay, kind of understandable. pick up on that. So Instagram is instant. Is it where young people are today? Is 100%. it the number one portal? It would be for Ireland currently, yes. So about 300,000 people, young people mostly left Facebook last year in Ireland alone. So the migration seems to be over to, to Instagram. Instagram. And I'm sure in a few years' time it'll be something else because that just seems to be how it progresses. But it's it's interesting to see how people are moving to sort of social medias where they're seeing a lot more of where their friends are posting. And what Facebook is doing currently is it's the algorithm's promoting a lot of videos and most people don't like to post videos of themselves. And that's why people are migrating over to Instagram because you're more likely to see what your friends are up to. Now, being on this and being a social influencer with all these followers. Yes. That must bring pressure in itself. You you post every day. Do you post multiple times a day? I try to post multiple times a day, but you're right. It does bring a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of um there's a lot of stress in trying to create content. And of course, you don't want to put up something that people are going to um maybe rise up against and you're afraid almost to kind of not necessarily afraid to have a controversial opinion because I think as well people can tell from following my thing I don't really care. I am who I am. Um, but I think it's interesting from the point of view of, you know, you're you're trying to be creative and you're trying to be pushed to go off and explore and do new things every day in order to find stuff. So you end up leading a very exciting and enjoyable, adventurous life. And I'm sure my housemates will kill me because I'm always doing something different in the kitchen or whatever it is. But um, it, it's pretty cool. And that's what your followers expect, that that is you every day. If there was a day went by and you weren't there, they'd be going, what's happened to her? Oh, I get messages if I if I, if I I disappear for 24 hours. Like, Are you dead? I'm planning the funeral and all of this. Really? Stuff. It's, quite, it's quite funny. I enjoy it, though, because, it, you know, it's a nice way of seeing people care at the very <laughs> least. Uh, but I, I do have kind of almost a... I have to use the term social influencer because that is kind of what the job is. But at the same time, I think it's quite a controversial term, especially with these pages that are rising up in terms of, you know, last year, um, what was it, with the bloggers unveiled? And you're going, oh, God, I better watch myself in case I do something wrong. Mm, but you don't really, as you said, be too careful about what you do or what you say. You are what you are and you put it out there. But look, you do get... Disconcerting messages, I'm sure at times. Of course. Comments, but you deal with those. Are they water off a duck's back for you? Thankfully, and I, I suppose I can thank my parents for this. In terms of, they were very good when my brother and I were younger, and the whole way through the cranky teenage years of you know instilling a lot of confidence in us, and that you know, okay, Mary, maybe to be fair, I do 
I, I, I don't really mind the comments that are maybe about, look, Ash, your one's ginger or whatever, or like she's got loads of acne. Because to be fair, it's true. And I don't, I don't have the, I, I don't have the time, nor do I care enough to Photoshop acne off my face. It exists. And I think that's a much more realistic portrayal. I think bloggers at the heart of it are just individuals who share their lives a little bit more than everybody else does. But we do watch and we do see the comments and stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure anyone who's been following my blog has kind of seen in the last couple of months, I've been sharing a lot more serious topics than my yeah. usual how to survive a hangover stuff, um, which I'm sure mom is very probably proud of me for those <laughs> sure topics. She is. But, but, but here's the thing, there's a lesson in this, uh, Catherine, for uh, a lot of people, because... Many people take these comments to heart and it deeply affects them and there are some really dire consequences for people. Absolutely. Um, I think especially because so much of today's um, society is based around um, how much we value ourselves on a like or a comment. And in theory, you know, I suppose I'm at the centre of it. But, you know, I have to say that when I do get a comment, of course I read and of course it affects me. And I think as well as that, people look at bloggers and they look at all of these people up on social media as if we've got some sort of perfect life. And, you know, to be fair, you know, sometimes I'm sat at home with a face mask on and I look like I was dragged through a hedge backwards. I look like a crusty dust in the turkey. It's not a good look. And I don't I don't mind as such you know, getting comments like going, you know, oh, sure, your one looks a bit funny. But where I start to draw the line and where I had to write a blog post or I felt I felt like I had to write something recently was I was increasingly getting comments about my weight, of all things. Now, I'm a size six or an eight, not something to be particularly proud of or anything else. It's I'm fairly indifferent to it. I eat what I want. I do. Sometimes I do exercise. Um but what kills me though is I was getting messages recently where I had chosen to do stuff like I because I don't feel the need to be wearing um really tight clothing and to be fair like why would you during you know the Irish summer because it's raining anyway you know um and I, because I'm ginger I don't go to sunny locations so I'm not out wearing you know wearing swimsuits and stuff like that unless it's down at the 40 foot in Dublin hopping into a very cold sea so well, you know, because I'm wearing jumpers, it's not exactly figure hugging. But at the same time, I'm not, you know, I'm not emaciated or I'm not a big person. And I got a, I, where I really drew the line was I got a, a picture sent to me of a heavily pregnant woman and somebody compared me to them. And I was going, ah, lads. So the nice thing is because of the confidence that my parents instilled, I feel confident and good about myself and I'm not going changing for anybody. But I do think when we do comment on a picture or send somebody a message, we do have to be very conscious. It doesn't matter if somebody has 20,000 followers or one follower or no followers. People are going to be affected by those messages and we have no insight really into what's going on in people's heads. And, you know, if we are going to have a comment and all the rest of it, even if we're just tagging our friend and making a comment about the blogger or about the person, we do read it. It is going to affect somebody. And if they're not particularly confident in themselves, you've got no way of knowing mm. or understanding how that's going to affect someone. See that person who posted that picture? Should have gone to Specsavers. You're like the lad in the ad that sheared the, the dog rather than the sheep. <laughs> you have the problem, the big problem, let me say. But it is a serious message. And, and one, you've spoken about it brilliantly there, that really, you know, you have to deal with and, and you have to let it over your head or by you, really, yeah. rather than internalising I think if you want to get into the likes of blogging, you'd want to be fairly secure in yourself. Social media influencer Petra Rose is with me on Late Launch.
may I congratulate you on your recent success at the Thank Beauty you. Blog Awards? I st- was this a little unexpected? Oh God, I didn't. I didn't think I was going to end up nominated at all. Um, usually, I and I to be, I'm one of the people that sit back and watch the stories every year and watch everybody get nominated and I get invested and you know watching all of the successes and end up following all of these people. And it's kind of been a bit nuts over the last wee while in that going to press events, I've slowly gotten to meet more people and I fangirl every time. And, you know, some of the people that I actually ended up meeting at the Blog Awards were, you know, the funky fashion frolics who are from Meath and they're the coolest lads ever. They're actually really worth a follow. Mike and Paul. Mike and Paul, yes. And I say hello to them today. They're great friends of ours on Late Lunch. They really are. I'd say it's some fun with the boys. Oh, they're just wee dotes. They really are. And they're so stylish as well. Mm. And if anyone's looking for style tips like you know I'm hardly the person to follow because my whole thing is just lifestyle and you know attempting to adult and wherever I fail but these lads have got style sorted Um, and I I think it's really cool in that there was a lot of bloggers that I've been following for years that I was that I met at these awards and it was such a crazy process too because I didn't think I was going to get nominated and then I got you know the I saw it up on the thing that I'd gotten nominated and you should have seen the phone call to my parents like I freaked it and I was on the phone to my grandparents going oh my god could you believe what happened and I think the long list was something like a hundred people and I was just chuffed to be on that and then a few weeks later I was um was I doing I was I I would think I was just at home or something and I'd seen the shortlist which is like much less people I was going oh my god and I was chuffed and that was my year made to have ended up on that list never in a million years did I think I was going to end up in the in the final and I was sat in the middle of incidentally actually it was a digital media lecture and I think we were talking about blogging and how to do it and I was just sitting at the back of the class and of course I start kind of getting all emotional and my lecturer turns around and what's that all about and I said I've just been put on the final list so of course then the um the email came out that you had to go and find something to wear and I was kind of oh no because you know it was supposed to be like a whole evening you know, gown stuff. And for somebody who usually wanders around in boots and jumpers, <laughs> I was going, how am I going to find something nice? And of course, because I'm, you know, 22, I'm hopping around and like, I'm not exactly spending maybe like a couple of hundred euro on a dress. And I think if I did, my parents would kill me. Um, and rightly so. So the struggle then was to go and find something. And of course, the dress code wasn't just evening. It was you had to wear something black and gold. And going, where am I going to find that? So I grabbed two of my pals and we went to Topshop. And I managed to find this lovely dress that was, I think, 70 down to 30. And then with the student discount, it was down to 25, which was brilliant. And then got to go to um, Zara, found a top for 30. That was down to 10. And then I went to the zip yard and I was like, right, lads, what we're going to do is we're going to take the sleeves off of this top onto the dress. And there's a custom dress. And even if somebody has the dress from Topshop, it's not really the same dress anyway. And it kind of worked out then because now um, I have a collaboration going with the zip yard. <laughs> so I struggle to find clothes that are made for, you know, for short people because I'm, I like to say I'm 5'2". I'm just under 5'2", but I, you know, I could pass for 5'2"-ish. So I'm not completely tiny, but I'm not very tall either. And I don't know what's going on with retail at the moment where all of the clothes are just so long. Um, 
So it's great now that That's I get... That's a great collaboration I can get all you, of my stuff just taken Yes, off. yes. So that would have cost you less than 100 bucks for oh, the Oh, it outfit. was less than 50. Less and than I was, 50. I was wanting around looking at all and of these And you looking a million dollars. It was class and then it ended up on the I on the front line of the mid the, the front of the midlife independent mm. last week and I had told again like I just said because I was down in Dublin I said ma'am would you go pick up the paper for me and I I figured you know the back section where they have the regions and I was like right it could be in that part where ID is and it was on the front page. So my granddad got a copy of it today. Story, that, so isn't it? Yeah. It is absolutely mm, mental. It really is. I was telling my housemates this and they were going, who the frig do you think you are wandering around this front page? There's another career in this for you. <laughs> now, talking about the blogs, tell me about this date you had. You've been single for a couple of years. About two years, yeah. And you went out with this guy on a date and he picked the place. Yeah, so this was last night I stuck up a blog post and I've been watching a lot of my news feed and it's all been very much centred around, you know, the 10 dates for Christmas and, you know, how to survive, you know, the single life like it's some sort of affliction at Christmas. And I get that, you know, everyone wants to be that bit more serious, you know, about romance and that because it's nice with the lights and that and, you know, summer flings are over. But I was going, oh my God, that is just, you know, people don't necessarily want to talk about romance and stuff like that because, you know, Christmas can sometimes be a depressing time for people and, you know, maybe relationships aren't working out for them or, you know, they just want to spend time with their friends and family and that's their focus. And I don't want, I don't really buy into this encouragement of, you know, go grab your romantic partner and go for a nice ice skate. I'd much rather do stuff like that with my friends. And I'm sure other people were tired of seeing it. So what I figured last night I would do was offer up the story of my worst every date instead so people could enjoy that instead. (laughs) And it was... I'm sitting in the office and the tears are going down my face this morning having read this. This guy brought you to a restaurant of his choice. And I'll just sort of summarise it. He said, I'm picking the... The food. Yeah, so he, yeah, basically that was it. So, um, you know, when somebody says, great, like we'll go to a restaurant, that's usually not my first choice. And it's not a lot of people's because you kind of go, let's choose an activity with something else to talk about. But he said, no, we're going to this restaurant. So I was going, oh, great food, fantastic. And we had gone to a tapas restaurant. Now, tapas food generally is stuffed just covered in sauce, as you would well imagine. So we're sitting down and he goes, I know everything on the menu, the dishes, the wines, and you know when somebody starts that, it's just going to be painful. So he selected everything. So we're sat down then and we're chatting away and he seems perfectly reasonable, perfectly normal. And then he goes, oh God, you're going, what's wrong? I forgot to tell the waitress I don't like sauce. You're going... Who doesn't like sauce? There's so many varieties, consistency, you know. I've ne- and I had heard this one before. Incidentally, I had actually been at a tapas restaurant before with somebody who'd, on a date, where they'd gone, I don't like sauce. And, you know, they did the bit where they smudged the excess off the side. So you're thinking, oh God, it's this again. That's not what he does. He spends, the food arrives, he spends the whole meal scraping and inspecting every bit of food to get this sauce off. And at some point he actually just stopped engaging and talking altogether, just not even answering questions, just solely focused on the scraping food. And sure, I was just like, we had the bottle of wine, so I was just knocking it back to try and get through the thing. Um, I'm just going, this is horrific. Like, how am I going to get through this? Going, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. That's not as bad as it's ever going to get because he took a piece of chicken that he was just having no success scraping sauce of, got the chicken and started dunking it in his glass of water, like washing the chicken. That wasn't enough. So he took 
off the fork, started washing fingers in the glass of water, all of it, just getting all of the sauce into the glass of water, ate the chicken and then drank the glass of water, which was then incidentally full of sauce, which he was refusing to eat. And I just, <laughs> hey, where you did you meet this fella? He's actually another Instagrammer, which is why I've held off actually telling the story for a while because I was afraid of getting into trouble. But then I was talking to somebody recently going, but sure, he's never going to own up to it anyway because he's seems so weird. I take it this was uh, a once-off. I freaking hope so. <laughs> oh my God, it was mortifying. And then I went home to my housemates and I was like, you know what, lads, you're never going to believe what happened. And of course, like, of course it's happened to you. Because, you know, to be fair, like all of the stuff that I share on the blog, you'd almost believe that it was content made up for it. And I forgot, I wish it was. Because, you know, the content that I put up is stuff like, you know, um, I burnt past and the Garthi showed up. By, you know, that was a whole incident and I still have to write about that one. Or there was a time where one of my old housemates um, convinced me to do a turmeric face mask and then I didn't listen to her and left it on for a bit long and I dyed my face orange and couldn't leave the house for three days. I just, I, you know, I really tried to talk <laughs> about serious... Oh my God, it was completely unintentional. So these are to come. Watch this space. You have to check it out. Petrolrose.net. The blogs are flying up there. You are changing tack with them. Like if you look back yeah. as to what you were blogging even six months, 12 months ago, there's a shift. Yeah, there's a happy medium, I think, between less serious topics and just watch me being a mess and now kind of talking about more serious topics like dating and like, you know, the whole... Um, you know, my whole I'm not a salad girl post and that kind of thing. So there's like, there's, there's a nice mixture, I like to think. Um, You've got to read that one. Uh, that is another classic, not a salad girl. Back to the blogging and, and, you know, you and Instagram and all these followers. You are particular in who and what you endorse. 100%. I don't think people are going to... I, I don't like to follow people that I don't consider authentic Um and I, I don't like to see, you know, I don't like stuff like where, you know, where you're watching something. I think there is, I, I'll probably get into trouble saying it now, but like there is a girl who was, you know, sharing some, you know, reusable face takeoff makeup stuff recently. And then another post was using one of those like, you know, disposable wipes. And you're kind of going, really? So I like to, you know, choose products that maybe I I feel that people will genuinely know that I'm going to use. So mm. one of the cool collaborations that I've got going up that I'm coming up recent um in next week, I'm really excited about it. It's for Tan Organics, and they I think they're sold in Boots and those kind of things. And they're I really really love using their facial serums and stuff like that because I have really dry skin. It's really gross. Um, like glamorous. You so do yourself glamorous. down too much. She's not. She's not. She's beautiful. So, I'm telling you. Um, but the cool thing is that, like, I, I, I told them when I when I was organising the collaboration with them, I don't wear fake tan. Fake tan just does not suit me as a ginger person. Um, so I said because of my ginger disposition, the only top things that I'm really happy to talk about is really I love using the face stuff. And then when it comes to my followers, then they view that as authentic because that is, it's just, you know, I use that yes. stuff anyway. And, you know. You're being it, truthful. It, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm sure they see it in the back of, like, mm. you know, my, my stories and stuff like that when I'm in my room blogging. Like, it's stuff that I'm actively using anyway. So when it comes to a collaboration, then it should be something that's natural. Mm. Besides all this, you're studying away? Yeah. No, I'm studying away still for my sins. Mom and dad will kill me yet. Um, one more year to go. And that will finish at that stage. And this is rattling along for you, people coming to you all the time. It's a bit bizarre, though, because, you know, there and I suppose wandering around Ardisha, that's just kind of where I'm growing up. You know, I'm just 
you know, the big Egypt that used to go to the school there, you know. But it's it's weird hopping into that environment with people who actually know you. And then, you know, I'm walking down Grafton Street and I get shouted at Catherine. And you're going, oh, God, now I'm going to have to place this person. And your head just doesn't go to what you do online. Of course, you're just sitting there going, oh, God. And you're racking your brain and you're going, I'm such a bad person for forgetting this person's name. And then they go, no, you're that Egypt off the Internet. And you're going, oh, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. But it, I think since I've been on last, though, I, I was obviously talking about at the time, like, internet safety and, like, be careful when you're posting where yes. you are. And I was doing a fair amount of that. But now I'm really starting to realise it. I made the mistake, was it a couple of months ago, where I had shared that I was at a cafe and a rake of people showed up. And that's mind-blowing because, of course, I'm just me. I'm not, you know, I, I and as much as, like, you know, I'd like to think I'm special, I'm not really I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm just a person. Yeah, but it's I, an amazing it's, pull it's, you have as well. And on the other side... It's just a bit nuts. Yeah, you, you have to be careful. I, yeah. I know what you're saying. And anybody well. that kind of wants to get into blogging and or just even they're just sharing stuff amongst their friends, I'd be so conscious of what you put up. Mm. Just, especially just in terms of your location because that's giving people a direct link to where you are at that moment in time. Absolutely. Well, she's in LMFM today on late lunch. Back for a return visit. It's been too long. Don't leave it as long again. Wish you continued success. Petrol Rose, check her out on Instagram or petrolrose.net. Absolutely. I'm sure I'm always on the phone anyway. So absolutely. Send a message. Great to see you again today. Thanks for dropping Good to see in. You too. Take care. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how affordable a new car is in the new year. He. Yeah, a host of stars on that one there these days. Jess Glynn, Macklemore, they're all in there. Lovely, lovely combination, have to say. Late lunch, LMFM Radio on Thursday afternoon. Joan called from Blanchardstown today. I mentioned the clot nappies earlier on and the lady in the UK, nine children, and she's used nothing but clot nappies all her life. And Joan uh, was on, she's in Blanche this afternoon, and she said she's she used the clot nappies back in the day. The disposable nappies, as far as she remembers, came in towards the end of the 70s into the 80s, and she didn't actually like them, so she continued to use the cloth ones, and her sister used them all the time as well. They were part and parcel, Jerry. she says, of life back then. We didn't have much money. We had to make it go round, and we had to wash and reuse and we did for years and years lovely to hear from you Joan in Blanchestown this afternoon another thing I spotted today when I was having a look uh, around the house did you see this one uh, Mars you know the big confectionery brand and I'm sure a lot of people love their galaxy chocolate I, I think I prefer the Galaxy in, in a way to the Cadbury, just in a little bit of a way. I, I do, yeah, I think I'd give Galaxy just about the vote. Well, listen to this. They're the first major company, Mars that is, to offer their Galaxy plant-based. So it's not milk chocolate anymore. It's a plant-based alternative. The new bars, they're made from hazelnut paste. The Vegan Society are absolutely delighted with them and they're going to be available in three flavours. Smooth orange, caramel and sea salt. And they'll also have, oh yeah, there's another one there, caramelised hazelnut. And they're going on sale in Tesco stores and online from Monday next. There you go. So that's the alternative galaxy. We'll have to grab a bar or two of it and taste them and uh, field trial them and see what we think about them. But there you go. 
Is it the end of the road for chocolate as we know it? What do you think? We better taste the alternatives and see what the story is there. Also, the Motorola flip phone is back. Do you remember the Motorola flip? I was just looking at this. Oh, it was the sexiest telephone. Do you know, it's 15 years ago since it was out. It was a lovely little neat thing, fit in your hand and you'd flip out the base of it. Do you know what I mean? To talk on it. Well, Motorola are bringing the flip phone back and it's going to be out for Christmas. It's uh, on sale in the States. Listen to this. $1,500. It's a bit of cash, isn't it? Will it make any impact on the existing raft of smartphones, iPhones? What do you think? It was real cool in the day, wasn't it? It was nearly a type of a James Bond thing. You know that flick phone that you'd flick open and and talk on it? And as you flicked it, it answered the call as well. Lots of people listening wouldn't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I remember the Motorola, the flip phone, and they're back. And they will be on the market for this Christmas. If you were late joining us on Late Lunch today, top of the show, Andrea Cole was with me. I had a lovely chat with her. Oh, it was really nice to catch up with Andrea. Her memoir is out. It's called Barefoot Pilgrimage. And she is signing the book in Eason's this Saturday. Eason's in the dock, 2 o'clock this Saturday. And everybody, welcome along. I have a copy of the book to give away. In case you're with us late, I'll give you another opportunity to enter. We have loads of entries already. But WhatsApp or text us your answer. There were four members of the cores. One boy, three girls. We know the girls. We're speaking to one of them today. Uh, who was the lad? Who was the boy in the cores? What's his name? That's the uh, answer I'm looking for for the book, for uh, Andrea's book today. You can get your answer still to us before three. We'll close the lines then to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Get cracking as soon as you can and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. Break on late lunch and afterwards I'm going late lunch retro. Yeah, I want to bring a bit of a bit of a smile, happiness into your uh, kitchens and offices and living rooms or wherever you are this afternoon. June Rogers is going to do that in a few moments. We're taking a little wander down memory lane on late lunch. Now with late lunch retro, yes, we uh, celebrated our 10th birthday in January into a year 11 of the uh, show on LMFM radio and we're picking up pieces from here and there through the years that stick in our minds. Well, over a year ago, June Rogers popped in for a chat with us on late lunch. She is, of course, the queen of panto and I began by asking her, did she remember her very first pantomime? Oh, the first one was Cinderella. Myself and Eileen Reid in the Gaiety Panto and Eileen was just she was just so lovely to work with because I'd never I'd never thought I'd be in the Gaiety like on the stage Yes, because as a child my mother would bring me there yeah. you know that was our big Christmas who, who did you go to see was it Maureen Potter Maureen Potter would have oh. been of course everybody went to see Maureen yes. my mother would bring us into Cleary's first and she'd buy you something in there and then you'd go up and you'd look at um, the window in Switzer's because that was a huge like we didn't see that in our yeah. day nowadays the kids see it every day mm. all those lights and all that kind of stuff but Christmas is the only time that you saw something animated like that in a window and then it was off to see Maureen Potter you know? Well you know you mentioned Eileen there and can I tell you something she's part of the history of this radio station really? because she presented a show in the very early days of LMFM radio Oh really? She did oh, She was a that. presenter on this station so there yeah. you are a little link there Yes Eileen and I were um, the two ugly sisters well I, Eileen was the ugly one I was oh, yeah. I was the good looking one um, but Charlotte and Scarlett are 
our names were and it was just it was just brilliant because she was the tall skinny one and the hair was right up in a big beehive of course that, that was her that was uh, Eileen and the, I was a short fat one with the, with the ringlets and I used to have a little hairy mole that we used to st- uh, stick on the face every day because the ugly sister and as the weeks ago by it was getting longer and longer and on the last day it was down like didn't need <laughs> to your belly button <laughs> With a bow on it, you know. <laughs> but we had a fantastic time. So that's where it all began. And so many pantos followed for you at the yes. Gaiety, the yes. Olympia. Olympia. Yes. And you've moved all around with them. Yes. Can I put you on the spot? If You, you mentioned Cinderella being your first yes. role there yes, and yes, that yes, in, yes. in that pantomime. Your favourite pantomime character of all time that you've played? I think it has to be Charlotte and Scarlett. Really? It was the first pantomime. I think it was. I think it was the whole team that was there. Pat Kinavan was Dandini. Frank Mackey from Cork was Buttons. Alex Sharp was Cinderella. And do you know what? She was the most beautiful Cinderella because she had the innocence about her. Mm. And that's what it's all about. Because as children come to see this pantomime, it has to be wonderful. And I remember we actually cried um, at the first half when. You know, when the carriage is going off and they had this little, as the curtain was coming in, they had a little minute, um, I don't know how they did it, little carriage on the black cloth, on the back cloth going yes. out. And you could see her going off to the, going off to the ball. And she was there, we were sobbing her eyes out, big just <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, when you say you went with your mother and Maureen Potter and those memories of being in the audience and then being up on that stage, it must be something else to feel that connection with the children. You know, when you make that. Listen, it's just unbelievable the buzz you get from mm. it. You know, and as I always say, to be in this business, first of all, you have to be half mad. But anyway, because it does help. But you get such a kick out. But I don't think there's any other job that you get that kick mm. when you get that response back from the audience, you know. You've done big screen, small screen, radio. You've travelled widely. Is there still nothing to beat? that live scenario on no, the stage. I think it has to be the live performance because you get that feedback. And I think when, especially when a pantomime or it's your own show, I did lots of corporate stuff over the years. And the thing is, I found the difference between corporate and people come to see your show is that people out of corporate aren't paying to see you. So actually, the people when they don't have to pay for anything a lot of the time, they don't appreciate it. And corporate gigs can, and I don't think any comic in the world can say that they never had a bad night. We've all had bad nights. Um, but the corporate gigs, I found them quite hard because, you know, you go and you, you, you're told you're going on at nine o'clock. Something happens or the dinner goes on. It could be 12 o'clock you're going on that night. And that is a kind of, mm-mm, you know. And then you beat yourself up going home all the way in the car going, maybe if I did this it could have been better or whatever, you know. But um, no, the live performance is definitely, yeah. You strike me and always have as being such a funny lady. Were you <laughs> always like that growing up as a child? Was this you? Were you outgoing? Well, I was um, I was a bit of a messer, I suppose, you know. I suppose growing up, my, my parents and I suppose my family everybody had like, there was always a party in the house. You know, my mother would be making the egg and onion sandwiches and the cream sponge and everyone would come around. They might have an old gin and tonic or something like that. But everyone had a party piece. So everybody told a story and all that. And that's what people did to entertain themselves all those years ago. Um, so I think that's how it started. And then on a Sunday we'd go um, for a drive and my mother and father would sing um, in the front of the car. And my father would be driving with one hand because he'd be trying to clatter the two of us because we'd be killing myself and Linda, my sister, in the back. Um, but I think that's how I got the love of it. You know, and my mum and dad had a good sense of humour as well. Yes. Yeah. They passed 
on very, relatively yes, young, didn't very they? Very young. Yeah. Yeah, mum was only 57 and dad was only 63. Oh yeah, the two of them died very sudden from uh, massive heart attacks. Yeah, cheapers tonight. And 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 you were home here at that stage because I know when you finished up your schooling and that you went to London for a few years. I to did. Work. Yeah, I loved. I went to London to work in the London Tara Hotel oh, in Kensington. Very suave. No, it wasn't. You were you were cleaning. You were making thirty two beds a day. <laughs> and sure, at home I wouldn't make my own bed. And I went away there. But you know what? I grew up because at home, you see, you were molly coddled at home. Your mother was cooking your dinner and doing your washing and you didn't appreciate it but actually when you go away you do realise actually I have to do it Mammy's not there to do it for you and I met a great bunch of people and of course the London Tower at that stage was owned by Aerolingus so a lot of the people working there were Irish mm. so and to this day and that's now 38 years ago I'm still in contact with some of the girls that I worked with which is fantastic. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. It just shows yeah. you the camaraderie yeah. you developed at, yeah. at that stage. Now, I, I jumped on a bit because I do want to remind listeners about something. A very famous man in the music business went to school with you, a very famous lady, didn't he? He was uh, Paul, Paul something, <laughs> Paul that Houston. fella Paul. I can't think of his name. Do you know him? He's an old nickname now and I think he you plays an odd song. You, you what? Who? How, why, when, what? <laughs> You did go to school with Bono, didn't you? I did, yeah. Well, listen, we were only we were only hormonal teenagers at that stage. <laughs> you know, he hadn't made it um, at that stage. You know, but yeah, like we were in the we were in the same class together. Mm. And isn't it amazing how? Isn't it? You know, what was he like? He was actually he was like the rest of us. He was just normal, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I wasn't normal, but I mean, he was just <laughs> he was just you know. Normal kind yeah. of teenage guy. Yeah. He didn't kind of stand out as such. You know, he wasn't. Right. He wasn't in trouble with the teachers mm. or anything like that. You know, that kind of. One. Mm. He wasn't put out in the mat, as they say. Were you? Yeah, probably. I spent <laughs> most of my childhood on the mat. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> did, did, did you meet him in life subsequently? Did, did you come? Ac- yes, I did meet him a few times. Yeah, since. And, and did uh, he remember you from school? Yeah, he remembered me because because I was the messer in the class. Of course, right. you know. He was a good but boy. He was the good boy. I yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love. Lovely, lovely, and a, a, a real strong connection with a very famous man, of course. But look at the fame you have in your own right. And, you know, back from London you came, your parents, and you were at home when they passed at a young age. Yeah. And then you went to work with Fujitsu, the was Fujitsu, it? Fujitsu, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when um, my mum and dad had moved to British, and my mum, I was only home a few months when mum died suddenly after Christmas. Um, so I was working in this place called Fujitsu Microelectronics, which was, you're working, looking down a microscope all day at my, uh, microchips, examining all this kind of stuff. Very exciting stuff. Fascinating. <laughs> um, but actually, that's what got me into the business, because Fujitsu took part in the John Player Tops, and that's how I got started then, because just for something to do I decided to go in um, and get involved so um, I was swaying in the back row for about six months that's what I was doing and then they actually gave us a few little arm movements as well (laughs) well you know it's maturing it's maturing well I I thought I was wonderful absolutely wonderful Um, but anyway as the years went by then I started to meet and that's where I met Tom Roach Right, and this is a yeah. man who's played and did play a significant part he in did, your life because, um, of course, Tom wrote the first Jacintha O'Brien. Yes, and uh, and now I was already doing a child character in Tops, you know, uh, with I, I had done different shows with different like teachers in um, uh, Parnell Square and St Thomas's in Jobstown and St Brendan's in Coolock.
talk and I, I kind of stuck with the smaller groups. I was Well, I was never asked into the, they never asked me into the bigger group, so they didn't. But anyway, oh, listen, no. I, I, was, I was happy enough with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just by fluke, as I say. Um, I met Tom and he had seen one of the characters and he said, I've written this thing, The Fesh. And he said, I'd love you to do it. And it just took off. They could actually, they could, everybody knew, and everybody knows a Jacintha in their life. There was always someone in school, there was some wagon in school you hated, you know, and she was always teacher's pet and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Um, so everybody could relate to her, you know, yes. that kind of way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all took off from there. But the tops, going back to the tops, there are tops lots of people great. listening today yeah. who remember tops of the brilliant. town very well, wasn't it, was it? I thought it was brilliant. And you know what? I think it was brilliant training ground for a lot of people. And I learned my trade from that too. Because you had to, you know, you had to arrive on time. You had to look after yourself. You had to have your lines off. You had to have your steps off. You had to, you know, be disciplined to do it. Mm. And it's like any job, you have to be disciplined when you're doing that kind of thing. I think a lot of, you know, I, I see a lot of these, you know, reality TV programs now and these kids are getting up and they're singing one song and as soon as they finish the song, somebody said you're a star. And, and that's that's not fair for a lot of kids because, you know, their expectations are so high. And it's, it's a hard business because everybody wants to get out there and they want to have a number one you yes. know, I was going to say records. I'm really showing my age now. But you know what I mean? Ah, oh, hey, yeah. it's still a record in it's my a record. book. Yeah, absolutely. What else is it? <laughs> what? I can't call it anything else. They haven't actually, put any... Well, well, actually, the LPs are all back in again now, aren't they? They are. Yeah. The vinyls are flying. Vinyls. They really are. Mm. They've taken out. People are buying record players and uh, yeah. they're discovering <laughs> what real, real good quality sounding music actually yes, is absolutely. like from, from yeah. the vinyl I, I still well. have all my LPs have from you? the 70s and 80s. Have you really? Carol King and all that. Neil Young and all that. I, June Rogers there. Late Lunch Retro going back to an interview on the show some time ago. Isn't she a lovely lady? She just lift your heart on a dull dark November afternoon. Let's head to news and sport at three on Late Lunch this afternoon. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. Thank you Maureen Brady. Maureen on to us on Late Lunch this afternoon to say she really enjoyed the interview with Andrea Cord. was really natural and down to air. Thanks indeed for those lovely words Maureen this afternoon. Um, I have to pick a winner for the book don't I? Yes, the answer we're looking for is Jim. Jim Cord was the uh, gentleman in the cores and we got so many people in touch with us looking for the book with the correct answer and when we did the spin the book goes today to Anne Tennyson, Greyacre Road Kilcarely just outside Dundalk. Well done to you, Anne. We'll be in touch to make the arrangements. You will love the book, I promise you. Nappies, we were chatting about them earlier on in the show. Francis Griffin, uh, Griffin, I beg your pardon. Francis Griffin rang in from Kells. Francis, give us a shout back, will you? Give us a shout. 1850 Give Breeds a shout there when you get a chance. But Francis was on to say she has three children and always, always uses the towel nappies. I was talking about this earlier. A lady in England, nine children, and she's used nothing but towel nappies all her life, saved a fortune. She has them hanging out. This is our Francis Griffin in Kells on the line. And the district nurse just called in a while ago and said she was delighted to see the white clean nappies hanging out on the line. Isn't that just great? There you are. You think it doesn't happen and it does. Well done to you, Francis, uh, keeping the tradition alive and in pocket. 
pocket, may I say, as well. Another message from Anne this afternoon to late lunch. Jerry, I was listening to June Rogers. She mentioned Eileen Reid around our first pantomime ever. Saw Eileen on TV recently. She's 76 years young and looking absolutely great. There you go. And Eileen Reid, of course, had a show on LMFM Radio in the early days. So there's a, a nice little local connection there. Late lunch, LMFM. Where are we going next? Well, we're going to talk to a guy after the break called Barry Fitzgerald. He's a superhero scientist. And listen to this. You know the way your superheroes, they can fly, they become invisible, they can disappear, shrink, do many fantastic things. Well, you know something? It's not science fiction anymore, as Barry's going to tell us. Beam me up, Mr Spock. Do you remember the words? And they disappeared and they were gone and transferred or transformed to some other place. Doctor Who in the TARDIS. Superman, Spider-Man. You know, all those superpowers. Oh, how I loved them growing up. And they're still loved today. And a man who's joining me on late lunch this afternoon. He's a research scientist and he is a superhero enthusiast. And he's going to tell me that some of this is not as far-fetched as we might think. Barry Fitzgerald, welcome to the show. Gary, thanks for having me on. Oh, not at all. Thank you for taking my call. God, you've got me going here, I have to say, and wandering down memory lane. But seriously, Barry... Things like the beam me up, being invisible, heroes flying, are they really within our grasp as humans now? It, it can be very surprised how much could actually really happen. I think that of the three you've just mentioned there, probably the hardest is to do the old beam me up uh, or teleportation from they would have seen in Star Trek and actually some of the superhero characters can actually do that. But when it comes to flying... That's definitely within a reach. I mean, we can already fly with airplanes, but there are people building flying suits. One example is Richard Browning from Gravity Industries in, in the United Kingdom. He's built a suit that can fly using jet engines. And in terms of invisibility, there actually are real proper invisibility cloaks that do actually work. And I actually have one. I've built one. Now, it's not one I can wear. But it's definitely one that can make objects, small objects, about the size of Lego blocks or a little bit bigger, actually seem to vanish. So this is a reality and will become even more of a reality in the years to come. This flying I'm curious about. You mentioned the, the suit and, and what uh, it can do. Do you see this becoming available to the general public in soon and sooner rather than later? That's a, that's a really good question, actually. And I, it's because of Science Week this week, I actually talk about the feasibility, the sustainability of this particular piece of technology. While it's a brilliant piece of technology, don't get me wrong, I think it's fantastic what Gravity Industries are doing. When it comes to what the suit actually does and how it gets to fly, well, it's kind of borrowing on, on kind of some of the old reliables that we've been using over the years and invariably this involves the use of some sort of fuel you're burning that fuel and then of course you're producing the uh, the things that we don't want to see too much of these days which is the greenhouse gases given the uh, effect they can have on for example climate change and, and the environment so for example I live, I live in the Netherlands and this is an example I use in one of my talks there are 17.2 million people living in the Netherlands they have 22 million bicycles that means that most people, most people, many people have more than one bicycle. If we replaced all the bicycles with flying suits, and every one of them then is using, you know, fossil fuels in a brand new way, 
I think not only would it be chaos, but it would also not really do the environment much of a, much of a good thing either. I think it wouldn't be very, very responsible to actually be doing that. Plus, the other thing I'd say about that suit, it flies for about 10 minutes, and after 10 minutes, you've got to refuel. So imagine you had a car that you could only drive for 10 minutes, and then you had to stop every time to fuel it. I don't think it's something that sounds like a really good and reliable piece of technology. Yes, so what you're saying to me is that it's not really practical as such, but it can be done. The invisibility cloak, what about that? You know, you mentioned it's on small items at the moment, but I'm sure that would fascinate people. A lot of people would like to disappear, Barry. I'm sure sure a lot of people would like to disappear for for different reasons. Um, Whether that's people going to school or going to university or college or even from work. The Invisibility Cloak is, is, is a really cool device. The one that I have is actually called the Rochester Cloak. It was designed by uh, researchers at the University of Rochester in the United States. So I built it, I, I showed it in some of my talks, and it's to demonstrate effectively the possibilities that, that, that you can have with technology. Now, in the real world in reality, would we see an Invisibility Cloak, something like, for example, that Harry Potter has, or um, an Invisibility Suit, I think that might be a long way off. However, in terms of the technology itself, there's a lot we can learn from this because it's about controlling light and making light do things that it doesn't normally do. And what you could see this being actually applied is in future computing. So in computers, for example, a lot of computers are going to be turning towards light to enable calculations. And using these type of devices, we can learn how to control light in ways we normally don't, don't control light and this could actually help us develop new devices for as I say advanced computer technologies. And finally back to the transportation we talked about at the beginning there beam me up Mr Spock a bridge too far not in the imminent future long after our times Barry. Well yes so there's, there's lots of characters in the superhero films that can actually teleport the Nightcrawler from the X-Men can actually teleport there is uh, a couple of others as well. Um, one in one of the TV series called Heroes can actually teleport as well. Teleportation is quite difficult. It's one of those things that um, you have to be thinking about moving atoms from one point to another because everything is made of atoms. And you have to move atoms from one point to another. And then you have to make sure you put those atoms back together in exactly the same way. And the analogy I would give you is this. Imagine you have the instructions to put one billion pieces of Lego back together. And what you do is you want to transport all those pieces of Lego from one point to another. When you do the transportation, you have to make sure you not only send the Lego pieces, but also the instructions. Because if you don't send the instructions, then you don't have to put the Lego back together at the other end. And also, if one or two of the Lego pieces go missing, then you might be able to actually build what you want to build. So when it comes to teleporting people, that might actually be quite difficult to do and could run into a whole bunch of problems. But in saying that, we are able to teleport photons. So a photon is the, the smallest amount of, of light. It's what light measured in. It's measured in units of photons. And we can send photons from the Earth to satellites and back again. And that would be useful for information uh, transformation or information translation or sending information. And that might open up the doors to really cool new ways to communicate with people, whether they're in space or on Earth. Fascinating. Watch this space. There's a long way to go. A lot done so far. Barry, thank you for joining me on the show today. Appreciate it. Thanks indeed. You're very welcome.
That's Barry Fitzgerald there, research scientist and superhero enthusiast. So possible, but practical. Well, leave it up to yourselves to figure that one out. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We're going to leave you in the company of the Eagles and one of those nights. Hope you have a lovely evening and do come back and join us for Late Lunch Friday from 1.30. Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.